Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Hey, well, I want to say a really big welcome to everybody who's joining us online today. If this is the very first time you've ever tuned in to a Bright Church service, we're so glad that you made the time to be here. Today's a very special day. It's a very significant day. Uh, Today is Good Friday. And I think that this is one of the most significant days that we can ever celebrate on our calendar. Uh, I love this weekend. I love the whole Easter weekend. Uh, One of the things that I love most is the hot cross buns. And I hope that this morning you've got some hot cross buns and you are enjoying those. One of the things we love to do as a church is do great hospitality. And uh, we hope that you've got a nice coffee this morning and you're sitting back and you're relaxing. If your coffee's not good, that is not our fault today. Uh, You can just go ahead and make that again, but wait till after the service because today we really are celebrating what I believe is the greatest message that the world has ever heard. And that message is the gospel. The gospel message, which is the story of Jesus Christ coming to earth because He loves people. I believe personally, it's the most encouraging, uplifting, outrageously positive message that anyone could ever hear. And on this weekend, more than any other weekend, we want to make time to celebrate that and celebrate what Easter is really all about. It's a crazy time that we're living in right now. And I don't know how ISO life is treating you. I don't know if things are going well for you. Maybe things are really tough and uh, they're not going well. But I want to remind you of something that's really important. This season won't last. This season won't last. You got to remember that you're going to make it through this tough season that we're in. And while we're in this season, I think it's so important that we just remember to guard our minds and protect the thoughts that are going through our head because it's so easy in this season to let your mind begin to create all kinds of scenarios, things that could happen. I really think that what's important right now is remembering to protect the thoughts that are in your mind because how you think is how you live. And so what I want to do today before I do anything else is I want to pray for you. I want to pray for your family. We know that people are going through a really tough time right now. So why don't we just take a moment to do that together? If you're sitting back and watching this and if you feel comfortable, why don't you just sit back and pray with me? Father God, we just thank you so much for your presence here today. We thank you, God, that you love each and every person who's hearing this message right now. And God, whether they follow you, whether they have ever gone to church or not, today, God, that is not important because Easter weekend is a message from you to us, from you to us saying that you love us so much. And so, God, we give you praise. I pray for every person right now that's just going through a really hard time, that's anxious or worried or concerned. I pray, God, for your peace to come and fill them. I pray, God, that in this difficult time that they would turn to you. I commit all of their hopes, their dreams, their desires. I commit their health, their job situations, their relationships, God, everything that they could ever have happening in their world. Father, we just commit it to you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Go on, you can do it at home. You can just say amen. Well, like I said, we're going to celebrate Easter today. And I don't know who first said this, but someone famously once said that what we think is the end of the road is just a bend in the road. Often what we think is the end of the road 
is just a bend in the road. And I, I got to tell you that when we go through difficult times, God walks with us. In fact, I need to tell you something really important today is that God, He always walks with us. In fact, you may not even be aware of this today, but God's name, one of the things that they call Him is Emmanuel. And Emmanuel might be a, a song that you think that you just sing at, at Christmas, but actually it's His name. And the, word, and the word Emmanuel or the name Emmanuel, it means God with us. God always walks with us. And we're not always aware of His presence in every season, in every circumstance. But I'll tell you the truth, God always walks with us. In fact, He said to His disciples, I'll never leave you and I will never forsake you. You can be certain in every season that God wants to walk with you. And so I don't know what your background is. I don't know what your history is. I don't know what you think of God, or maybe you've never been to a church before, but I can tell you this, God wants to walk with you. In fact, the, the whole story of, of Easter is really the opposite of that. It's God wanting to walk with people, but people not really wanting to walk with God. It's like we've just reversed the roles. They've completely changed. I thought I'd take a moment this morning to describe to you everything that Easter is really about, the whole story of it. I guess it really begins in Genesis. In the beginning, it says that God created the heavens and the earth and He created people and He put people on the earth and He gave them rules and, and guidelines and said, hey, listen, you can do anything you want in this garden. Do anything that you want. But He really only gave Adam and Eve one rule. And that one rule was simply, do not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now He put the tree in the middle of the garden and He said, don't eat the fruit from that tree, right? Now that seems like a pretty easy thing to do. Like, honestly, I think about this sometimes and I'm thinking, hey, Adam, Eve, guys, you had one job. That's all you had to do. So here these two are, and they're hanging out by the tree. I mean, honestly, I don't even know what they were doing by the tree because it's, it's like playing on the edge of a cliff. If they, you know there's somewhere that you're not supposed to go, just don't go there. Well, they didn't know that. So they're just hanging out by the tree in the middle of the garden, close enough to hear the serpent come and begin to speak to them. And he begins to speak. He says, no, it's okay. You can have the fruit. And they have this back and forth. They're like, no, we can't do it. He says, no, you can. God's okay with that. In the end, the end of the story is they took the fruit and they ate it. Now, the thing is, is that God had already set out the penalty for that sin. It's what we call a sin, right? And a sin is when we go against what God does. In fact, let me take a minute to explain what sin is because this can be confusing to people. Sin is sometimes what you don't do. So, sometimes it's what you do, do. Sin can be so many things. And it's not always some sense of moral failure or anything like that. Sometimes it's just living out of our created purpose. God made us to live one way and we're just living another. Now, the thing is, is that Adam and Eve, when they took the fruit and they ate it, they sinned. And that's a really important thing for us to understand because it wasn't like God could just ignore it. I want to explain to you how God does relationships because if you don't understand this part, you're really going to miss what Easter is all about. So the way that God does relationships is through something that we call covenant. Now, I know that covenant's not a word that we use very often. I often refer to it at weddings, but you know, we don't say it all the time. A covenant is like a promise, only far 
more meaningful, okay? And in a covenant agreement, there's always a superior and an inferior. Now, kings used to enter into covenants and this is the way that it works. A king, the superior king, could set the terms and the conditions of a covenant agreement. The inferior king could either agree or disagree but the one thing that they don't get to do was change what the covenant agreement is about. Now, once a covenant has been what they call ratified, you can't break it. And if you break it, you can't just ignore it. You need to ratify a new covenant. Now, Adam and Eve were in a relationship with God where they had a covenant in place. And the moment that they made that mistake, it changed the context of that relationship, changed it completely. So what had to happen is God had to address the issue of sin. He had to speak to them about it. And so He comes and He talks to them and, and, and they made the mistake and, and I understand that. But after that, they had to establish a new covenant. Now, when you look through the Bible, the Old Testament is just filled with covenant after covenant after covenant. And the reason that there's so many is because no one could maintain it and keep it. Now, this is gonna sound crazy because Adam and Eve only had one rule and that was to not eat the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Well, people had an idea and they said, God, we think we can do this. We think we can nail it. Here's what we got to do. If you give us more rules and we understand exactly what we need to do to behave, to be good, to be perfect or get as close as we can to perfect, we think that we'll be able to do it. So that's what we got the law. Now the law was given in the Old Testament, right? By the way, that word testament also means covenant. That's why the Bible is split into old covenants and new covenants or old Testaments and the New Testament, right? And so when you read it and you see this word covenant and understand what it's all about, it puts everything, the whole story in its context. So here people are with 613 commandments. And the Bible says, if you break one, it's like you broke them all. Well, the more rules they had, the more opportunities that they had to break them. So if you look through the Old Testament, you just see time and time again, they continued to break them. They continued to make mistakes, right? And, and maybe this is the way that you thought that you could get close to God. I mean, if you don't go to church very often, people think the way to get close to God is to just be good. It's just to do your absolute best, just to behave. And if you behave really good, God will love you and, and, and care about you. And as long as you're doing more good things than you are doing bad things, then you know, it's kind of got to work out for you. I got to tell you, that's not how it works. That's not how it worked with God in the Old Testament. That's not how it worked with God in the New Testament. And so if you thought that the way to get close to God was just to be your best self, I've got to tell you, people have tried that before. In fact, if you look throughout time and history, people tried to be perfect. They did their best and they failed. And if you try that, you'll fail. And the reason why you'll do that is because no one is able to be perfect. I mean, if you just think about it, if, if sin is not just some gross moral failure, but it's sometimes not doing the right thing and sometimes doing the wrong thing, it's just so many opportunities for you to make a mistake and eventually you get, you're gonna make one. Well, of course, they projected this whole scenario forwards and I gotta be honest and say, it did not look good for humanity, which is why Jesus came. That's what Easter is all about. That's what the story of the gospel is all about. Now I need you to understand something because you need to know that this message that I'm sharing today, that this is not just for religious people. 
Because if you're sitting at home and you're watching this, you've never gone to church before and you say, oh, I guess this is just a great message for religious people. No, no, no. This is not just a message for religious people. In fact, the thing you need to understand is that sin doesn't need to be intentional for consequences to be attached. Sin doesn't need to be intentional for consequences to be attached. People do the wrong thing all the time. Sometimes they know, sometimes they don't. And whether you're aware of it or not is largely irrespective. If you've made a mistake, everything that I'm talking about, it matters. It applies to you. Man, sometimes it's so easy to make a mistake. Like for example, we are living in a crazy world right now. We're living in a crazy time right now. So like recently, I've been going out to the shops. I've been trying to buy stuff and bring it home and, and give it to my family and, you know, just food and the bare essentials. People have been going crazy. People have been hoarding stuff and lining their houses with food and all kinds of items. And I thought, man, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be one of these people. I'm not going out. I'm not going to buy up everything. I'm not going to do it. But I got to tell you, we started to run low in a few areas. One of the things that we were running low in in my house was toilet paper because everyone's buying it. I don't know what they're buying it for. I don't know what they're worried about. I don't know what they think is coming. Everyone's buying toilet paper. I don't know how it's supposed to protect you. Anyway, the point is, I'm running out of the stuff. So I go down to the shops. I've gone down there like three or four times. I'm not getting anything. I keep lining up. I can't get anything. So I go home. I'm thinking, man, this is getting serious. Like, I don't even know what we're going to do. So I'm sitting at home and I'm working. And this ad, it pops up from eBay on my computer. And it says, we sell toilet paper. I thought that's the best thing I've ever read in my life. Did they sell toilet paper? I said, I'll just buy it online. That's what, that's what I've got to do. As soon as I saw it, I clicked on the ad and I thought, man, I don't know about this. Like, I feel like these guys, they're gonna, they might just be in sell, selling this at an inflated price. So I open it up and I get there and I, I, I look at the, the ad, right? They're selling 30 rolls of toilet paper for 50 bucks. And I'm thinking, man, this is crazy. Like, I, I don't want to buy $50 worth of toilet paper when I know I'm getting ripped off. But this is what I think. I think, you know what? It's fine. I'll do this one time. I'll never do it again. But if I can just get through the insanity of this season, when everything's restocked, I'll never have to do this again. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to do it. Won't my family, won't my wife. This is the thing. I was like, my wife will be so proud of me. She'll be so impressed when she comes home. And I have made sure that toilet paper has come into our house, right? And so I said, I'm going to buy it. So I clicked on it. I said, are you sure you want to buy it? I'm like, absolutely. So I clicked on it and I bought the toilet paper. Now, I didn't read the fine print. When I read the fine print, and I don't know, maybe this made sense to you. It didn't make sense to me at the time. I didn't really think about how difficult it was to ship something that big and that large. So I discovered after buying it that I was going to pay $25 just in shipping. Here's the point. I paid 75 bucks for 30 rolls of toilet paper. Man, I felt like a total victim. I'm like, I can't believe this. And I, first of all, I wasn't gonna tell my wife. Then I figured she's gonna know anyway, so I had to come clean. So I told her the truth. Now she knows, right? And I felt like an idiot and, and, and all the rest of it, right? I didn't read the fine print. You know what I did? I committed to buy before I realized how much it was gonna cost me. And I'm telling you right now, 
People make mistakes like that all the time. What they do is they don't understand how much their mistakes are gonna cost them. And you, you gotta wrap your head around this. This is incredibly important, right? You gotta read the fine print. Man, don't wait to the end to read the fine print. Don't wait till the mistakes have happened and, and you're discovered before you start to get serious about it. Don't wait till the end. I think about that. Sometimes it's just hard knowing where the end is. I mean, think about it. In the story of our life, I know I'm past the beginning. I'm, I'm a little way past the beginning. Not that far past the beginning, just a little bit, right? But I know I'm past the beginning. I think I'm in the middle, but I don't know when the end is. And if you're saving all your decisions for the end, the truth is we have no idea where we are in the story. So you can't save all of these things for the end of the story when you really don't know what's coming. I mean, the disciples, man, these guys, I feel sorry for these guys sometimes. They didn't know when they were gonna be at the end. They had no idea. I wanna tell you a story about a time in their life where they weren't sure if maybe this could be the end. It comes out of Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 to 24. I'm just gonna read the first half to you. This is a story about Jesus being in the storm. So here it is. They're in a boat. They're out in the middle of the lake. And now they're in a storm in the sea. It says this in verse 23. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he, being Jesus, was asleep. That, that word swamped, it actually means hid. Think about it like this. The boat is hidden from, because the waves are covering it. That's what that really means. Now, Jesus is asleep. Everyone's panicking and everyone's worried about this. Not Jesus. He's like, calm. Like way too calm. Sleeping calm. The boat is going under. I just want to paint the picture for you, right? Because I feel sorry for these guys. The boat is going under. The waves are covering it, right? I don't know why the sea didn't even wake him up. It's being tossed backwards and forwards. These poor guys, they think they're going to drown and they're going to wake him up. They're going to wake him up and say, Jesus, did you know about the waves? Man, sometimes, I don't know if you've ever felt like that, where you feel like the thing that you need to do is tell Jesus about the storm that's in your life. Like he's unaware, like he has no idea. Jesus, I'm not sure if you're aware of this right now, but my life is in the middle of a storm. These guys think that maybe Jesus isn't aware. They need to bring it to his attention. This is the crazy part. How was Jesus sleeping in the middle of a storm? I'll tell you how. He had peace. That's how he got to sleep. He had peace because he controls the narrative. That's how he did it. He controls it. He's actually over the entire story. See, they don't, they don't really understand what Jesus is about yet. They don't get it. So when the storm happens, they think this is the end. They didn't know what Jesus was about to do was to get up and just speak to the storm. Because he controls the narrative. 
He's about to change what happens next. Listen to the end of the story. It says, And they went and they woke him saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Are you of little faith? Really? I just feel sorry for these guys. The, the ship is going under. It says, Then he rose and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? He controlled the narrative. And some of you, you're watching this right now. You need to get this. He controls the narrative. He's over the whole story. If you feel right now like the situation is out of control and you're not sure what to do or how to handle it, I want to tell you right now, He's over the story. If you look at the gospel, the greatest, most positive, encouraging message that we've ever heard still came at an incredible cost. It cost Jesus His life. But I need you to understand something today. He didn't just let it happen. Like it didn't just happen to Him. Uh, the truth is, is that He was in charge of this story. If you want to know how far back this story goes, it says that Jesus was the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. That means that before the world was even created, He knew this was going to happen. He controls the whole story and it's not like it's just happened, happening to Him. In fact, He chooses it. There's this part in the story where Jesus has been betrayed by Judas, the story of Easter. And Jesus has been betrayed by Judas. And so they bring, bring Him and they drag Him before different leaders. The Sanhedrin is what they call them, this religious board of leaders. And, and so they're asking Him questions. And you would just read over this if you didn't really know what you were looking for. But there's this part in the story where one of them stands up and they say to him, tell us, are you the Christ? See, the problem they had at his trial is every time they tried to pin something on him, someone would come in and they'd tell a completely different story. It looked like by all accounts at this, at this moment that Jesus was just gonna walk free. At his own trial, he didn't even need to say anything. They couldn't pin a thing on him. Every time they did, someone else would say the opposite. So here he is, they can't pin anything on him. And they ask him this question, the oath of testimony. They say, are you the Christ? Now Jesus can say nothing and walk out. Jesus doesn't even really have to answer the question. He could have just been silent and they would have had nothing. And he looks at them and he says, I am. And the moment that they heard that, Jesus put himself on the cross. See, even though we, we understand that it happened at the hands of other people, it was Jesus that put Himself on the cross. The moment He answered that question, He put Himself there. But that wasn't new for Jesus because that was the plan from the beginning. He's over the entire narrative. He always intended to pay for the sins of people. He chose the cross because He chose you. You know what the Bible says? It says in another place in Hebrews, it says, for the joy that was set before Him, He, he chose the cross. And he, he chose that future because He understood that that was what He was created for. I need you to understand something really important today. His end is your beginning. The end of His life means that you get a fresh start. 
that's what it was all about. I, I think about life and, you know, so often we think it's the end. Like we really do. We see a situation and we think it's the end. It's not the end. It's just a bend in the road. We think that things are over in our life, but they're not always over. It's just the beginning. Man, what if, what if the end of your job might mean that you get to start the career that you were meant to have? Like what if you'd never thought about it before and you just continue to look back in the rear vision mirror of life and look back at what you lost? I, I, I gotta tell you, don't obsess over what's over. What if the end of your relationship was gonna bring you closer to meeting your spouse? Man, he was never gonna marry you anyway. That girl you've been dating, she wasn't ready for marriage. So you were just gonna string this thing out for a long time and you can mourn the loss of that. But what if the loss of one relationship brings you closer to meeting your spouse? What if the end of one season is simply the start of another? There's a time to mourn and there's a time to move. God says that He can open the door that no one can close. And if you're walking with Him, here's what I wanna tell you. Don't worry about it. He's over the story of your life. He's writing the narrative. He's over the whole thing. I feel like sometimes, to be honest, we're obsessed about the end. We see a bend in the road and we think, man, this is the end. This could be the end. But so often what's the end of the road is just a bend in the road. I wanna read to you out of Micah chapter seven, verse eight. It says, rejoice not over me, O my enemy. For when I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Let's not stay where we are. Oh, my enemy, when I fall, I'm gonna get back up again. When I'm sitting in darkness, my God, He'll be a light to me. He's gonna light up my world. And we're, we're so concerned about the end, we don't realize that God can bring something new and fresh into our life. Could it be that what looks like the end is really just the bend? Man, you should get excited about this. I'm preaching this message to an empty room right now and I'm excited about this. You know what? I don't care where you are right now. Just look at the person that you're sitting on the couch to and say to them, hey, it's not over. Say it right now. Say, it's not over. It's not over. It's not the end. It's just a bend. Say that to the other person. Come on, don't ignore your whole family. Say it. Some of you are sitting alone. All right, well, if you're on, you know, bright.online.church, right? I want, you to, I want you to type it passionately. Like when you type with passion, you, you write it with capital letters. So you cap lock that thing and you say, it's not over, just type it, just get excited about it. Man, because I'm telling you right now, man, it's not over. We all go through tough stuff. We go through tough seasons. It's not the end of the road. I wanna read to you something out of Isaiah 43 verse 19. God says, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Can you not see what I'm doing? I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He'll make a way in the wilderness. Rivers in the desert. He's making a way where there's no way. You thought it was the end. It's just a bend. God's gonna start something fresh. He's gonna start a new season in your life. You know, when Jesus was alive, these guys, these religious leaders, they could not perceive that God was doing a new thing. They didn't get it. They didn't get it. 
And because they didn't get it, they took him. They were offended by him. They brought him to trial. And there he was, Jesus. The only one who's never done a thing wrong. And they find him guilty at trial for being the only one in the room that was really telling the truth. After that, he went through a process. Whipped with a cat of nine tails. It's like one whip that has multiple strands that come off it. Had bits of bone, bits of metal into it. When they whip people with it, it would grip into their flesh and they'd literally tear ribbons of flesh off their bodies. The truth is, is that some people would even die just from this one thing, but not Jesus. They whipped him. They put a crown of thorns on him to mock him. You say that you're a king, here's your crown. They put him in a purple robe and they mocked him. They spat on him. Finally, they gave him a cross. That was the instrument of his own torture. And they wouldn't even carry it for him. They say, you carry it. So there he is, carrying the instrument of his torture. And he carries it all the way to Golgotha, the place of the skull. And he lays it down and they lay him down and they stretch out his hands and they take three nails. They drive one into each hand and then one nail goes through two feet. And as they're hammering those nails into his hand, it's almost like for him, it just reminded him of why he was here. The very people that were torturing him and punishing him, those same people, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Here they are nailing the Messiah, Jesus Christ, to the cross. They're putting nails in because they didn't get it. And then if you read the Gospels, all four Gospels say the same thing. They say, and He was crucified. And it's kind of nice that they just used that one word. He was crucified. But that word, it, it carried so much weight in the first century. See, the, the Romans, they had perfected the art of drawing out that excruciating torment. It wasn't just that it was excruciating. It was, it was the most shameful death that someone could ever die. To be crucified, they reserved that for the lowest of the low. And here's Jesus being crucified, His hands being nailed, being brought up before others. And sometimes, you know, you see pictures of this stuff on the internet. You see statues and, you know, different churches and that. And He's wearing this little loincloth that covers Him. That's not what it was like. He was completely naked, full of shame. His beard plucked out. There He is on the cross, dying for the very people that were crucifying Him. It, it, it took six hours. He was brought up at nine o'clock and hoisted up there. And then six hours later, there He is. And He, he says these words in the end. He says, it is finished. It's the last words that He ever said. And when he said he was finished, he wasn't talking about his life. He wasn't talking about the fact that he is over. He said, hey, I lived, I, feel, I fulfilled my purpose. I know why I came. I came to earth 
so that I could live the perfect life that no one else could live. I'll pay the penalty that they should pay. And they'll get my perfect life and I'll take their punishment. When He said it was over, He said every covenant that had been established that was broken by people because they couldn't seem to be perfect. He said, hey, I'll do it for you. This is the most beautiful thing about the new covenant. It's all on Him. It's got nothing to do with you. You don't get closer to God just because you behave better. He doesn't love you more because you act better than the person next to you. The new covenant that He established, it didn't cost us a thing, but it cost Him everything. It's a covenant of grace. Here's what it is. It says, if you believe that Jesus paid the penalty for your sins, then you enter into the covenant of grace and you're gonna make mistakes and you're never gonna be perfect. But His sacrifice pays the penalty for your past, your present and all of your future sins. It says it so simply that all you've got to do is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead. And in that moment, your life will be changed forever. You enter into a new relationship with God. That's what Easter is really all about. Him paying for your mistakes. The religious leaders, they they missed who He was. But but you don't have to do that today. You don't have to do it, no. Because you already understand the story. You know what it's about. And because you know what it's about, you know the end. You could just skip on ahead and make the best decision of your life. See, you've got to see something that they missed. You've got to see that His death means your life, that His end means your beginning. And the moment that someone makes that decision, I I want to take just one more minute. I want to explain to you what really happens to you when you make a decision to follow Jesus because you don't stay the same. No, no, no. The Scriptures say something else. It says you become a new creation. Man, that Scripture is so good. I want to read it to you. It comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 to 21. I'm, I'm going to read through this. It says, From now on, from now on, for anyone that's made a decision to follow Jesus, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. You know what that means? It means we're not going to regard anyone according to what they've done. I don't know how good you've been in life, but I've made mistakes and I know you have too. And because we've made mistakes, it says, hey, we're not gonna judge people based on their mistakes. It says, even though once we even regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard Him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and by the way, that's the key to everything, you gotta be in Him. If you're outside of Him, if you don't have a relationship with Him, everything I'm talking about, it doesn't apply to you. But if you're in Him, look at what happens next. It says, Behold, anyone that's in Him, He's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I don't know if you need a fresh start today. If you need a new beginning. Maybe you look back over your life, you know that you've made mistakes, but you just say, I just need to make a fresh start. Hey, I wanna tell you something today. Jesus will give you a fresh start. That's why He came. It says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself. And He gave us 
the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world for Himself, not counting their trespasses against them. I'm going to change that word trespasses so you really get it. Not counting their sin against them. Not counting their shame against them. Not counting the mistakes of the past. Not counting every wrong thing that they've ever done. No, because once it's been paid for, it's been paid. That's why He said He was finished. He says He's not going to count them against people. It says, I'm going to drop down verse 21. It says, For our sake He made Him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. That's not saying that we're so awesome and we're so righteous and we're so holy. Oh man, it's just the opposite. That's not what that's about at all. It's saying, you know what? Everything that's good about us If you're a Christian, you should be the least self-righteous person on the planet because everything that's righteous about us, we get it from Him. We gave Him all of our sin. He gave us all of His righteousness. And that is a current state of being. That means that no matter what you go through, no matter what circumstance you face, whenever you need to, you can come into the presence of God and pray. Because when He looks from heaven and sees you, He sees the righteousness of His Son. This is the Gospel I'm telling you right now. This is good news. This is good news. If you ever needed peace in the storm, if you ever needed a fresh start or a new beginning, I tell you, it's Jesus. This is all you need to do today. Just be still and know that He's God. Because the God who rebuked the storm is over the story of your life. So just be still. You just got to relax. You got to know, because if you have an encounter with God, you'll know that it's not the end. It's just the beginning. I want to pray for everyone that's here today that's joining us online. Maybe before I pray for anything else, I just want to pray for you to have peace. You got to understand who Jesus is. He's the narrator of this story. He's writing it. He's in charge of it. He's over it. You got to have peace in that. You got to know that in your heart today. And so here's what I want to do. I want to I want you to take everything that you're worried about, everything that you're concerned about, and you got to just hand it over to him. It's okay. He's in charge. He's got this. I want to pray for you today. I'm going to do that right now. So if that's you and you say, hey, I've got something I want to hand over to God, just do that right now. Father God, I I pray for everybody right now that's gathered in their uh, rooms, their living rooms. Some of them are sitting there by themselves watching this on a small screen, a phone. Some of them are, are sitting there watching on their computers. Others are sitting with their families. God, it doesn't matter who is hearing this message right now. Your peace is the same for everyone. So Father, I pray in Jesus' name, that Lord, your peace would come and fill their hearts right now. Lord, there are so many things that are happening that's outside of our control, but I don't have to control everything when I know the one who is. And so Father, I hand to you my anxiety today, my worries, go and do it right now. Just hand to Him your anxiety, your worries, your concerns, every issue. Lord, we lay it at your feet. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for the cross. Lord, we thank you for Easter. We thank you that you are Emmanuel that You are God with us and that You always give us a new beginning. In Jesus' Name, Amen. 
Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.